Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 64. I'm your host, Riley. This week, uh, PGA Tour front-wise, not a bunch going on. Obviously, the PGA Tour event this week, the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, was okay, I guess. We're really not going to talk about it. Um, I didn't watch it. I didn't really care about it. Luckily, this week, it's a little bit different. We actually have a pretty watchable tournament this week. Um, The Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba, one of the longest names on the PGA Tour event, surprisingly. Um, Justin Thomas hasn't won this event yet. Justin Thomas always wins those tournaments that have like seven words in the name. Justin Thomas loves winning those tournaments. Very surprised that he hasn't won this one, but he is in the field this week. So he may win this one by the end of the week. But the field is actually pretty stacked up. Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau. There's a bunch of guys. So very much finally looking forward to watching a golf tournament. Pretty much the first one since the CJ Cup. Obviously, the Zozo, time difference, can't really watch it. Bermuda, no one was playing in it, so we didn't watch it. I mean, Patrick Reed, the lone star, um, ended up, I think, tied for second. But we're not really going to touch on the Bermuda. Shout out Herbert for the win. Um, I don't know if he's – he's a big like Euro Tour guy. I'm not sure if he's won on the European Tour before, but this was his first um, PGA Tour win. And like I said on the show last week, that golf course has given like comeback wins, first-time wins. That's kind of what that golf course does. So to see it happen again is not not really that surprising. But anyway, that's pretty much all we're going to talk about for that. But we're going to get into Mayakoba later into the show. There's a lot to cover, a lot of good plays that I like this week. I actually like the card going through the top 20 picks um, on Tipico. We got all that stuff. Um, but before we jump into the Saudi thing, I just wanted to mention that for Golf Week and Sportsbook Wire for the um, for the USA Today, I'm going to be writing now not only my in-depth preview for the week, but i am also been tasked to do the, the odds, predictions, picks article, fantasy golf rankings article, and still the in-depth preview. So early in the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, you guys are going to get like three or four betting articles a week from me now on Golf Week. Um, they're going to go to Sportsbook Wire. They'll be kind of everywhere. Um, eventually, the Twilight Nine like podcast link will be embedded in all those, so you'll be able to find it there too. But you guys should be able to read a bunch of stuff from me pretty much every single week. So that's what I got going on. But we can jump into the Saudi stuff. So if you're not aware what this is, it is a new golf league coming about. Um, it started in Saudi the first professional golf event in Saudi Arabia, the Saudi International, was held in 2019 as a European tour event. Um, the event was very much criticized, actually, as a targeted attempt by the, their government to kind of sports watch, sports wash, excuse me, its human rights record and all that kind of stuff to try to improve the image. Just not really good. Um, there was a bunch of big names that played in that event. 
Um, Dustin Johnson, who's won the event twice. Phil Mickelson was over there. Bryce and Brooks, they were all paid big money to play in that event. The That tournament moved from the European Tour to the Asian Tour for 2021. But there's just a long history, or not even long history. It's pretty recent history of golf being over there. Anyway, so that's been kind of what's going on. In live golf enterprises, backed by the Public Investment Fund, operating on the behalf of the government of Saudi Arabia, is and are the people in charge of of this new tour. Greg Norman is going to be the chief operating officer of the enterprise, as well as the commissioner, um, when this tour hopes to debut in the spring of 2022. So there's just a lot of information, chucking a bunch of information at you guys, but that is what is happening. Golf Week learned back in July that the PGA Tour would refuse to allow players to compete in the controversial tournament in 2022. They would need to obtain a waiver to compete in other circuits. Um, and because the Saudi event is no longer sanctioned by the European Tour, the PGA Tour noted that uh, to managers that permission would not be granted. Last week, eight players asked for permission to play in that tournament scheduled for February 6th, or no, February 3rd through the uh, 6th, excuse me. Some of those names, Dustin Johnson, Graham McDowell, Abraham Anser, Lee Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood, Henrik Stenson, Kevin Knott, and Jason Kokrak, who Kokrak is actually sponsored by Golf Saudi. So those are the eight names of the players that have asked permission so far to play in that event in the upcoming February. What this new league might look like, it doesn't have like a certain, there's been names thrown around the Premier Golf League, Super Golf League, whatever, has been pitched for nearly two years now. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, the premier golf league planned on featuring like 40 to 50 guys on four man teams with a captain, 18 event schedule, all that kind of stuff. Um, not sure if that there's no really structure or news on how this league is going to be set up yet. It might be that it might be stroke play. It might be a hundred guys. It might be 40 guys. Who knows? No names have officially been announced yet to be tied to that. I know Phil Mickelson has been brought up a lot. Um, he played with some of the higher ups in those companies at the 2020 Saudi international program. Um, the guardian reported that the league had sent formal letters, uh, offering hundreds of millions of dollars to a handful of players, including Phil Mickelson, Adam Scott, Henrik Stetson, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Paul Casey, and Brooks Kepka. That is a lot of money. Um, in early May, report in the Telegraph stated that multi-million dollar offers, some ranging from 30 to $50 million, were sent to Phil, DJ, Scott, Kepka, DeChambeau, Fowler, and Rose. Um, just a ridiculous amount of money. Then we had, when this was first announced early in 2021, like May, April, that kind of stuff, pretty much May, we had big names in golf kind of shoot down what was happening, right? We had Roy McIlroy come out, said, for me, I'm out, I'm not doing it. A month later, John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, they all said the same thing. They weren't going to go um, over to it. Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, said that, if you play in one of these events, you'll get fined. But if you go over there and play for this new tour full-time, you will receive a lifetime ban from the PGA Tour. They're not going with it. None of it. Why they're choosing Greg Norman? Uh, back in 1994, he tried to get the World Golf Tour off the ground. It was unsuccessful. Uh, the PGA Tour commissioner, Tim Fitchum at the time, um, rejected the offer. He's been trying. He's tried to do this in the past. I'm uh, not a big Greg Norman guy. I think he's kind of a scumbag. What are you going to do? 
There's just so much going on with this new league thing. It is impossible really to know all the details just because we don't know all the details on how it's going to work, how it's going to be set up, who's playing it, whatever. My opinion on it is I think it's going to be really tough to defend guys that go over there that choose money over reputation, money over legacy, right? I just have a hard time seeing anybody that truly cares about the world of golf go over there and play for them instead of the PJ Tour. The perfect name that comes to mind, non-biasly, is Roy McIlroy. He's one of the he's one of the voices of golf. He's if not the biggest voice in golf, pretty much. When Tiger's out, Tiger's been out obviously since the car accident. Golf's been looking for a guy to come up and speak about these kind of things, and Rory has been there every step of the way. And he cares about records, he cares about majors, all that kind of stuff. He would never go over there and do that because he cares about he cares about like the resume too much. But for guys like Phil Mickelson, where of course you caught lightning in the bottle per se, right at the PGA Championship at Kiowa and won another major championship, I highly doubt that's ever going to happen again. He competes on the PGA Tour champions and wins all the time on the PGA Tour. He stinks, right? He like doesn't even make cuts. For him, he's built such a legacy in golf where now it's like I'm 50. What I think he's 50 on the dot, maybe even 51. I'm not sure. I think he's 50. You've built such a legacy in golf. You've won Masters. You've won major championships. You've won PGA championships. You've won all this golf. Is it time to fill? I know he's made a a ridiculous amount of money over his career. Is it time to either further pad that bank account, right? Go over to Saudi, put the resume kind of aside for a couple years. They're going to pay you ridiculous amount of money, like 150 million over three years for a guy like Phil Mickelson, where he truly looks at the PGA tour with all this young talent, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, kind of, hopefully that comes back around, but like Rory still in his prime, JT Jordan's coming back. DJ is seemingly still in his prime. Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, and the list goes on and on and on, which is ridiculous. Can Phil Mickelson, a 50-year-old guy that is way past his prime, who can't compete really on a PGA Tour on a week-in and week-out basis, like he's just not competing and top-tenning that much, he goes over the PGA Tour champions, and he's obviously too good for that. So he's stuck kind of in this middle ground of... I can't maybe once or twice a year, I can maybe contend on the PGA Tour. If I go full-time on the PGA Tour champions, it might not even be that fun because I'm going to almost win every single week. Or you can go over to this new event and make $50 million a year, which is borderline, I would say, impossible on the PGA Tour. Obviously, you can win, what, $20, $25 million at the Tour Championship, but you can only do that really if you have a monster year, which Phil is really not capable of doing, right? You can't finish in the top five of the FedEx Cup and have a shot at Eastlake if you don't come in the top 10, 10, 12 times during the course of the year and probably win. So that's where I'm in on Phil. Phil makes almost sense to me. I get that people are mad that he wants to put the PGA behind him, but at the same time, I get it. I get it. You can't really compete on the PGA Tour anymore. You're too good for the PGA Tour champions. Why not go make $150 million over the next three years? The only weird part about it with Phil is he just earned like, what, another five years on the PGA Tour because of his win at the PGA Tour championship, uh, the PGA championship. 
And then this is another thing about it is we don't know how it's going to work with majors because all of them are their own governing body. So they can say whether or not a player banned on the PGA tour is allowed to play in an event because they're just can do whatever they want. And that's where the Phil Mickelson thing is, is because he's a past champion of the masters. Does the masters just say, no, Phil, you can't come here because you're playing in Saudi Arabia for $50 million a year. Are they going to turn down Justin, um, Dustin Johnson, who's also a masters champion who is interested in playing in February of next year at the Saudi international, you don't know. And that's when it becomes really complicated for some of these guys, because some of them are still in their prime. Like Dustin Johnson wants to win more majors. I'm sure Phil Mickelson wants to win more majors. It's probably just not going to happen. Dustin Johnson is in his prime and can win more majors, right? He's one of the big names that is going over there. So it will really come down to majors like Abraham answer. One of the guys asking for permission is now just hitting his stride on the PGA tour leave Westwood again another guy I kind of get it he really can't he caught he played well on the PGA Tour for like two weeks early this season and then did really did nothing after that Henrik Stenson again another older guy kind of passed his prime Kevin Nahn Jason Kokrak two guys that are probably not going to win major championships so you just say fuck it we've won a couple times on the PGA Tour let's just go make a bunch of money and then the other guy is Tommy Fleetwood which I know that he hasn't won on the PGA Tour yet I know blah 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 I think the best golf days for Tommy Fleetwood are still ahead of him I don't know why he would leave the PGA Tour now for a paycheck maybe whatever 10 years down the road where he's out of his prime and completely out of it but he's Top five in the U.S. Open multiple times. He's been right there at the Open Championship a few times. Like His best days in golf on the PGA Tour are ahead of him. He can still get to probably 10 wins on the PGA Tour in his career, maybe a major, maybe two majors. Tommy Fleetwood's a stud. I don't know why he would give up on the PGA Tour so quickly when he hasn't done anything on the PGA Tour yet, right? Instead of, except for like high finishes. But it's those kind of guys that are going to have to weigh out the balances, right? I get the fill of the decision, but for guys like... Kepka and DJ and all these guys that are still in their prime, I don't think it makes any sense for them to go over there and to pick money over reputation and, and really morals because the Saudi shit is unbelievable what they do to their people and all that kind of shit over there. I'm not going to get into that, but scumbags pretty much is the word that comes to mind off the top of my head. And for you to just kind of say, oh, I don't care about any of that stuff. They're going to pay me $50 million a year. I don't know. It's just a very, very complicated process. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I get it for Phil again, but if he goes over there, will I lose like some respect for him as like a human being on a human being level? Yeah, because I get the golf side. You're going to make a bunch of fucking money. I get that. But as a human being, it's kind of scummy. So I don't know what they're going to do, but it's very interesting to see where this might go. I think it's going to be a shit show. We'll see what happens. I don't know. It's a crazy conversation. Um, it's going to be great to like dive into that as more information about the tour comes out. The more we know who's playing over there, what the schedule is going to look like, what the format's going to look like. I'm excited to see um, what comes of it because I don't know. I the world of golf is changing. It's crazy. If you guys haven't read it yet, if you go on golf, we can go to um, Eamon Lynch's. Uh, piece that he did on this um, kind of coming after Greg Norman and all that kind of stuff. That is a must read. You have to go read that. It is so good. Uh, so go to Golf Week. Just find it. Aim, just search Eamon Lynch. The piece is incredible. You got to watch it or <laughs> watch it. Read it. 
But yeah, that's all I got for the Saudi stuff. So we'll jump over to the Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. Um, after a couple weeks of golf that you couldn't really watch, like I mentioned at the top of the uh, show, Zozo couldn't really watch it because of the time difference. Um, last week in Bermuda really wasn't that good of a field. Didn't even turn the TV on for that. But last season, Victor Hovland broke the Puerto Rico open cor- uh, curse at this golf tournament and won. Tony Finau is another guy that was under that curse for a very long time until his breakout at the Northern Trust. It's a real thing. It is just a real thing. He won over Aaron, uh, He won by one shot over Aaron Wise. Hovland actually hasn't won since. That is his latest win on the PGA Tour, but he is one of the betting favorites at plus 2,000. Justin Thomas is here. He's making his first start since the CJ Cup. He finished T18 there. Um, he played in Mayakoba last season and finished T12. Brooks Kepka is also teeing it up this week. He hasn't finished inside the top 35 yet through two starts on the PGA Tour this season, so hopefully he can turn that around. The golf court, he actually missed the cut also at this event last season, so stuff isn't looking great for uh, Brooksy this week. Golf course, I'm not going to pronounce this right. El Camaleon golf course. I Frenched it up a little bit. You know, what are you going to do? Par 71, 7,017 yards. Greg Norman design. <laughs> very funny, actually. Very uh, odd timing. Uh, Papalum CIO greens, which are interesting. They can get, as you get further into the day, you guys notice this. If you watch it all day, like if you do, if you have PGA Tour live in the morning and then you watch Golf Channel after that in the afternoon, you'll notice that the greens are really pure in the morning and then they get kind of bumpy, kind of shitty throughout the day. So not the best putting surfaces. The guys will have to deal with it this week. Uh, the weather. Uh, Tuesday, partly cloudy, 2% chance of rain, 9 mile an hour winds. Wednesday, partly cloudy, 6% chance of rain, 6 mile an hour winds. Thursday, partly cloudy, 18% chance of rain, 6 mile an hour winds. Friday, mostly sunny, 20% chance of rain, 9 mile an hour winds. Saturday, mostly sunny, 10% chance of rain. chance of rain, excuse me, blowing 10. And Sunday is partly cloudy, 18% chance of rain, blowing 9. So the weather looks really good. The course should be dry. Uh, The uh, the guy should be able to go after flags. Should be really nice. Key stats. Um, I kind of mentioned this every week at short golf courses. You need to go deep at short golf courses. So driving accuracy is going to be one of the keys for the week. You need to be able to go at flag sticks. How do you do that on a consistent basis? You find the short grass off the tee. That's just what it comes down to. And then speaking of firing at pins and going low, that's when strokes and approach comes in. You're going to need to get right around 20 under to win this golf tournament. So again, the greens around this place are, regardless of put the type of grass aside, on the PGA Tour, they are very easy, putting-wise. Like They're not that undulating. They're huge. So getting close to the flag will be a true separator this week at Mayakoba. So you got to look at that kind of stuff. Uh, data golf information, course fit. Number one is Sedgefield Country Club. Number two is actually TPC Sawgrass, which was a little surprising to me. And number three is TPC uh, Potomac. Shout out to anybody that knows that I just mispronounced that. Trending of the players in the field. Justin Thomas is actually number one. His last three starts, T22, solo fourth, and T18. Aaron Wise, which we'll talk about him in a second, is number two. T26, T8, T5. And Harold Varner third is actually third in trending. T16, T11, and T32. Percent chance to win based on course history, course fit, all that kind of stuff. Number one is Abraham Answer at 6.3%. Victor Hovland is at 4.7%. And number three is actually Russell Henley over guys like Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas. Russell Henley comes in at number three at 3.3%. I thought that was kind of crazy. 
Betting odds provided by provided by excuse me Typico Sportsbook. Access USA Today's sports betting odds. A full list on the website. Betting odds: Justin Thomas plus twelve hundred. Abraham Answer is at fifteen. Tony Finau's at two. Victor Hovland's at two. And then we got a run of three thousands. Billy Horschel, Shane Lowry, Cameron Tringali, Terrell Hatton, Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler is all are all at plus three thousand. So we got a bunch of guys to get into. Um, the first one that I want to talk about, which wasn't even on my mind until I actually started writing the in-depth preview for this week, is actually Aaron Wise. We have him maybe for a top 20 at plus 190 on Tipico. Last three starts, I did not realize that Aaron Wise was just balling like that. T26, T8, T5, he's on a ridiculous run right now. And on top of his recent form, he was actually the solo runner up to Victor Hovland here last season. He finished T10 back in 2018. So he has really good course history here. He's coming in in great form. Watch out for Aaron Wise. This season, he's hitting nearly 65.5% of fairways, 77.78% of greens, which is good enough for seventh on tour, and is averaging five and a half circles on the card per round. And in that ninth on tour, that birdie average is awesome to see, especially at an event where you need to go deep. Aaron Wise, top 20 plus 190 is going to be on the card this week. He is in really good form, apparently loves this golf course. So we're going to take Aaron Wise for sure. Another guy that we're going to look at is Scotty Scheffler. Do I say his name every week on the show when he plays? Yes. Do I want to be off the bandwagon when Scheffler finally gets it done on the first for the first time on tour? Absolutely not. I want to be on that bandwagon, so I'm going to continue putting him on this card. We got Scotty Scheffler for a top 20 at plus 230. The Texan ranks sixth this season in birdies per round at 5.83, but is 175th in scoring average, 72.12. So in layman's terms, he's making just way too many mistakes. If he, if he can keep the squares off the scorecard this week at Mayakoba, he's going to be right there come Sunday afternoon. He's hitting 75% of greens, which if that trend continues, he'll have a lot of looks to go deep this week, which I really, really like. He's played in the in this event just once, but captured a T18 back in 2019. So look out for Scotty Scheffler this week. He's going to need to hit fairways, but I think if he gets that putter hot, he could go, go, he could go low, and this could be his first for victory on the PGA Tour. And that and that plus 230, that is just way too much value to pass up. With a big name like that, that much value for a top 20 pick, we love that for Scotty Scheffler. Next guy, Shane Lowry, top 20 plus 200. This is another good value pick. I think he's just due. He's been, a, he's been hanging around leaderboards for the better part of a year, including a run at the end of last season with four top 25 finishes in his last five starts. He struggled for the first few days of the CJ Cup, uh, but over the weekend actually fired 69-64. A few weeks before Vegas, he was actually on the European tour for the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship where they play like St. Andrews and all the good courses over there. I think Carnoustie is another one. Uh, and he tied for fourth. So I know the CJ Cup, I think he was not a great finish, but he did just have a really good finish on the European tour like a month ago. Love to see that. Over his last 24 rounds on the PGA Tour and courses less than 7,200 yards, Shane Lowry ranks eighth in strokes and approach. Love that. So on short golf courses, his iron play is usually dialed in. You'll just need to find fairways, but I think the Irishman is due. I think you could have a really good week. Shane Lowry, top 20 plus 200 is a guy that we're going to be looking at. Billy Horschel is another one for a top 20 at plus 175. He hasn't actually played on the PGA Tour since the Tour Championship at Eastlake back in September but he has played twice on the Euro Tour. He played at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx. He tied for 36, but a week, I think a week before that or a couple weeks before that, he actually won the BMW PGA Championship, which is actually one of their biggest 
excuse me, events of the year. So he won that. So he has a recent win. He's played in this event the last three seasons, improving his finish each time. T21 in 2018, T8 in 2019, and T5 in 2020. And then shout out Justin Ray on Twitter for this stat. Best cumulative score to par at Mayakoba over the last three years. No one has been better than Billy Horschel at minus four or at uh, 43 under. So that is pretty damn good. And then let me bring up, I have some other guys that we got to talk about. I just got to bring up this other one that I wrote. Um, this will hopefully go out later. A couple outright picks. We got to talk about Abraham Answer. I think he is a very obvious pick. I know a lot of people love him this week, but we got to dive into it. Abe Answer. Love playing in front of his home country, Mexico, over the last few years, especially at this event. He finished T12 in 2020, T8 in 2019, and T21 in 2018. He finished last season with three top 10 finishes in his final four starts, including his win at the WGC FedEx St. Jude, Mexico. Uh, No, that's not in Mexico. Is it? No, WGC FedEx St. Jude. My bad. Despite missing the cut at the first event of the new season, he came right back the next week and posted a top 15 at the CJ Cup. And then this is the stat that I love for the week for answer over answers last 24 rounds on the PGA tour at venues measuring under 7,200 yards. He ranks inside the top 35 in stroke stained off the tee ball striking tee to green and total. So when the golf course gets a little bit smaller and he's able to hit more fairways and take advantage of his accuracy a little bit more and his putter gets hot, Abraham answer is a very good pick. So it is no doubt that he's one of the favorites, obviously at plus 1500 on Tipico. You'll probably, I know he's like, I think even money for a top, uh, I think he's even money for a top 20 finish. So you would probably have to go top 10 finish for any sort of value that still might end up going on my card just because I think answers in for a good week. He had a good week in Vegas. He likes this golf course. He likes shorter golf courses. Um, this could be another spot where he gets it done, especially in his home crowd. Everything just points to Abraham answer this week. So there's no doubt why he's one of the, um, one of the favorite picks. Another guy, I talk about this guy all the time, but this could be a guy that makes a little bit of a run maybe for a top 20 for us, and that is Maverick McNeely. He's kind of been a mixed bag over the first several events of the new season. He was the runner-up to Max Homa at the Fortinet Championship, but that was only due. He should have won, but he shanked a tee shot on 17, so that hurts. And then he missed the cut at the Shriners, but he did just post a top 25 in his last start over in Japan at the Zozo Championship. He's played in this event the last two seasons with the T26 back in 2019, and last season he actually improved on that and was right with Justin Thomas with a T12 performance. McNeely ranks 20th in scoring average, which is huge at an event where the winning score will be right around 20 under. He's been great off the tee, raking inside the top 30 in both driving distance and strokes gained off the tee. So off the tee, Maverick McNeely is not a problem. Great distance, all that kind of stuff. He can absolutely roll it on the greens. His iron play is just going to need to make the trip to Mexico with him. Hopefully that carries over. I know he's working really, really hard in his game. He's really into it this season. Um, So Mav, hopefully... I don't know if I'm going to bet him straight up, but if he has good odds for a top 20 finish, we might have to hop on that. And then just kind of a long shot for you guys to think about, especially if the sports book that you guys use, um, well, use Tipico, but if you don't use us, um, you can get it for like plus like he's plus 10,000 to win on Tipico. But um, as of right now, Tipico doesn't do top 40s, but that would that would be where I would target Danny Lee. That's where we're going to put him. Danny Lee plus 10,000. He shot 71 in the last round at the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. So sometimes when guys have are in contention all week and then kind of fade down the stretch on Sunday, people kind of forget them the following week. 
I'm not. He played great. He finished tied for second with Patrick Reed. Three holes on the back nine cost him. 12, 13, 14. He played those three holes at four over. Double, bogey, bogey, respectively. Not good. Lee didn't play here in 2020 last season, but has a great track record from 17 to 19 with finishes of T25, solo second, and T26. So he plays well at this golf course. If you can get him for a top 40, you could probably still get plus money for him. Love Danny Lee in that spot. As for some of the favorites, Justin Thomas has got to look at. Um, he obviously had a top 20 at the CJ Cup, a top 15 here last year. Um, again, he's minus money for a top 20. You're going to have to bet him a top 10. But again, his iron play is so good when he can kind of throttle down off the tee and just hit fairways with a three wood. And then he's able to take advantage of his iron play. It'll just be if his putter shows up that week, he'll have a good week. It's going to be all on his putter this week. So if JT can get it rolling, whatever. I'm not touching Kepka. I'm not really touching a lot of big names. Obviously, Answer's one of the betting favorites. I would bet on Hovland for probably a top 20. He'll be right around there um, as a defending champion. And actually, going back to that Justin Ray stat, just because I'm looking at it right now, Abraham Answer is second to only Billy Horschel and best cumulative score to par at Mayakobo over the last three years. So he just really likes this golf course. That's why he's one of the betting favorites. That's why he's a very popular pick with everybody this week. That's what we're dealing with, folks. That's what we got for Mayakoba. And that's pretty much it for the show. Quick one. Um, I think that's it. I think we are moving officially the start date for Twilight 9 to be part of the Golf Week Network, I believe, is the week of the RSM Classic. That's the target. Um, probably have a little uh, companion on the show, a little co-host when it gets down to that point, which is pretty exciting. And then um, we have something brewing tomorrow or I have something brewing tomorrow, or no, not tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, for you guys that you should be very, very excited for. It is going to be fun. It's going to be really good. It is an interview with a uh, with a man that has donned a, a few green jackets in his day. I'm talking with him on Wednesday. Very excited about that. That'll be coming to you guys at some point. But looking forward to it. Um, at twilight nine pod is the Instagram for the show at Riley Hamill underscore is the personal Instagram for me. If you want to follow me, um, our Hamill at golfweek.com is my email. If you guys want to send me uh, any questions for the show, all that kind of stuff. Um, some picks, hopefully we're going to start our, I think we're going to push it probably till next year, but we're hoping to have like a listener pick segment where you guys just send a couple minutes, um, or like, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute, and we'll put it into the show each week. That's what we got guys. Enjoy the golf this weekend. I'm actually looking forward to watching the golf. Um, I know uh, football has been taking precedent, as it should during the fall season, especially when we're rocking with these kind of golf tournaments. Pat's got a big win over the Chadges. Um, but, yeah, guys, that's it. That's it for the show. Enjoy the golf this weekend, and I will talk to you guys next week, hopefully um, after winning a bunch of money. Peace, guys.